Hello and welcome to another episode of the Livius Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Breitkoff. Today with me is a returning guest, uh, a co- uh, college counselor par excellence, uh, someone who's trained college counselors, uh, Dr. Andy Snyder. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back. Thank you, Andy. I'm glad to have you. Uh, I have a topic today that I think you're going to be able to help me with quite a bit. Um, over the years, I've uh, worked with a lot of students, helped a lot of students through test prep, academic tutoring, uh, helped students with the college application process, writing college application essays. And this is, we're primarily talking about seniors and juniors in, in these circumstances. But every so often, I work with a younger student, a ninth or 10th grader, whether it's academic help or even very early test prep. And one of the questions I receive from parents of some ninth and 10th graders, uh, and the parents are very uh, hands-on, very proactive, is what can my ninth or 10th grader do to apply for college successfully? And the initial answer I usually give is uh, calm down. (laughs) (laughs) Or some version of that, because no, your ninth grader or 10th grader is not going to be applying to college anytime soon. But I do know there are some things that, Ninth and 10th graders and the parents of ninth and 10th graders can do to make the eventual college application process that starts at the end of junior year and goes through the first half of senior year uh, simpler, less painful, more efficient. So that's why I wanted to talk to you about this. Excellent. So uh, what, what, are, what are some things that what are, what are some things that ninth and 10th graders and their parents can do? Well, the first thing that ninth and 10th graders should be thinking about when it comes to the college application and decision-making process is just doing well in school. Okay. Doing their best in their classes and engaging in school life and school activities or activities outside of school, outside of the classroom. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing I've noticed is uh, every student has that moment. And that moment might come in fourth grade or seventh grade. It might come freshman year of college. For a lot of students, it comes uh, in ninth grade, which is that transition is challenging. And all of a sudden, high school is just so much more challenging than middle school was. The pace is so much faster. I know I had a disastrous freshman year after pretty much coasting all the way through eighth grade. So I think that's that's an excellent point you make. And you spend your eighth grade year being on the top of the mountain. You're right. the big kids in school, and now all of a sudden the world is moving much faster. The kids are much bigger. The mm-hmm. teachers have much loftier expectations in the classroom. Uh-huh. It's hard to make that adjustment for many students. They should be focusing on their classroom studies first and foremost. And one of the things that I think can help, and again, my parents didn't. Based on when I grew up and when I was born, my parents weren't uh, aware of a lot of opportunities that exist today. Uh, but there, there are places that, that can help. Not only are there tutoring companies like the ones uh, that w- with which we work, but a lot of high schools these days have academic centers, tutoring centers, peer tutoring, uh, opportunities for teacher-led tutoring that didn't exist when I was a kid. Absolutely. We were left on our own to sink or swim for the most part. Um, And if we were going to get extra help, it was our job to be able to self-advocate, to approach the teacher, which was 
hard enough. Right, and a lot of teachers back in the day didn't have after-school help, or when I went to after-school help for a class with which I struggled greatly, which was uh, honors chemistry, uh, the help was basically come and do more chemistry class after school. Right. It, it, it wasn't... It was set up as a study hall for that particular subject. Right. It was not one-on-one -on -one tutoring not or support in that particular subject. No, and I, and I know a lot of the students with whom I've worked over the last 10 years uh, have had access to in-school help, and then when that is not enough, then it escalates to coming to a tutoring company. Sure. Um, and or getting tutoring from a neighbor or friend or a relative um, who is an expert in whatever subject that is. So that's great. I agree. Uh, academics is the first and foremost, and that should be the primary focus of ninth and 10th graders, academics first. What is another uh, thing that ninth and 10th graders and their parents can do to prepare for this process? Well, for high school students, young high school students who are eager to engage the process, I would encourage a visit to a college campus either a formal one or an informal drive-through or walk-through mm -hmm. just to start the conversation around what are the criteria, the characteristics, those qualities that the student finds appealing mm -hmm. in a college setting. Right. And one thing that, that occurred to me uh, is that it doesn't even have to be about visiting colleges. Uh, for example, the school that I attended, Brandeis University, every April has a creative arts festival named in honor of Leonard Bernstein, the famed composer and conductor of the New York Philharmonic, who happened to be the first music professor uh, at Brandeis back in the 1950s. And there's, it's a festival. It's an arts festival. It's not just music. There's music, there's theater, there's uh, 3D art, there's a, a, a museum on campus. Uh, there are a lot of activities and events for the community, not the community right. of students, not the community of professors and their kids, for the community of the greater Boston area. And a lot of colleges have events like this. Um, for example, um, my kids and I, my kids are younger, and we've already visited Harvard universities. Uh, they have three museums on campus at Harvard, and we've already visited them as part of events for the community. Right. I'm not suggesting that admissions has to be contacted right. and you create a file with the student's name on it, but a visit to the local college campus to get an idea of, oh, this is what a college campus looks like. Mm -hmm. These are what the facilities are. This is the size of a small, medium, or large school. This is uh, how close we are to the city. This is how close we are to home. All of these characteristics can be the fodder for future discussions around formulating the list. Yeah, that makes absolute sense. What, are the, what, is there another tip on your, on your list? Sure. Um, I think that parents should be sharing the values of going to college, mm -hmm. um, their, maybe where they went and why they went there, mm -hmm. uh, how they have aspirations for their kids to do... Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry, I'm sorry for cutting you off, but are you actually suggesting that parents and high school students communicate with each other? <laughs> um, if that's possible. Uh, it's not always a an easy subject yeah. for high school students to engage in. These are emerging adolescents, and they have 
their attitudes and their beliefs and their hormones and maybe this is too sensitive a topic to right. engage in right away. Right. That said, there are students who are excited about the college process mm -hmm. and it's not too early uh, to, in addition to encouraging students to do well in school, to take up activities that are available to them in school and beyond school, it's not too early to look at a pre-SAT or a pre-ACT uh, standardized test. Well, I mean, a lot of high schools these days are administering either a pre-ACT or the PSAT sophomore year. And, yes. and the schools are doing it for their own purposes. A lot of, especially schools that have AP programs, are encouraged by the college board to use the PSAT as an AP pre-exam. So... Looking at that, in that sense, although I'm not a huge advocate of preparing for the sophomore year PSAT, I actually think it's good to get a raw score and just you know take a cold and see what, what where your baseline is. I'm not suggesting preparing for right, it. Right, right. Here's an activity that makes the college process move along. Right, right. I, I agree. I agree with you completely there. Um you know, one of the things that we've talked about a lot on the podcast uh, is building a personal narrative as part of the college application process, being authentic and truthful, uh, not only with colleges, but with yourself, even more importantly than with colleges, is with yourself. And one of the things we've talked about is, is, is theming, which is um, building uh, a, a sense of yourself and, and, and thinking about your activities and, and the things you do both in class and outside of class extracurricular activities as being a part of the story you end up telling colleges. And so I think one thing that I, I always try to communicate with freshmen and sophomores is be thoughtful about the, the, the groups, the clubs, the teams you're joining, and are they telling the story that you're interested in telling? And how the clubs you're interested in tells a story whether you mean to or not. Absolutely. Uh, the themes that you fit in mm -hmm. absolutely play a role in your overall message in your college applications. So whether you are artistic or musical or you're more into the sciences and math courses than you are the humanities, whatever you are, whoever you are, just be that best version of you. Right, and I've talked to freshmen, and the one thing that I advise them is, you know, if, if you played baseball in middle school and that is no longer your interest, you're interested in lacrosse instead, then, then be truthful to yourself. Without question. Don't join something and then hope you fall in love with it. Find the things you love and then join that. I think that a young person's most valuable possession is not their cell phone or their laptop. I think it's discretionary time. Right. Time without homework or chores or work obligations. I think how a student spends his or her discretionary time should be evidence of what he or she is passionate about. And the early high school years are times to explore what those passions might be.
Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. So uh, before we wrap up today, any other thoughts, any other tips that you have for the listeners? I, I have one, and that is, um, I'll speak for, I'll, let me speak for a second about my youngest son's uh, experience. He's a sophomore in high school right now. We love his guidance counselor. She knows exactly how the school is run. She knows about the college process. She's been at the school over 13 years, and I think she's terrific. But in addition to my son, she works with 285 other students. Mm. So my son, who does fine academically, never is a discipline problem in school, is never absent too much, raises no yellow or red flags. My son doesn't get a lot of attention from guidance, Mm -hmm. even though they run a great shop. And so it's possible in these early high school years to engage an outside consultant Mm -hmm. like the company that we work for and have that one-on-one time, that support, that direction, that advocacy Mm -hmm. as families begin the process. And one thing to think about that uh, with that is if, if, if as a parent of a freshman or sophomore student, you're not going to be doing weekly meetings with a private college counselor. It's more uh, at that point of a check-in, um, maybe regular updates, especially if you have specific activities or specific needs or goals. Uh, it really gets much more intense starting, um, you know, the end of junior year and definitely uh, the summer and leading up to the beginning of senior year as the application process actually gets started in reality. But I I see your point. Yes, I've worked with younger students and it really is about those once a month or once a quarter check-ins to see how you're doing, what you're working on, how are the grades, uh, how, you know, are you happy with the activities you're doing, what 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 are your real passions, what are your plans for the summer, you know, those sort of things. Very well said. All right. Well, Andy, uh, thank you so much for being on uh, this week. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. And uh, if you have any questions for me or for Andy, please hit us up at our uh, Twitter feed, at LiviusPod. Uh, it's a great place to ask questions. Drop us a comment. If we get enough good questions, we might even do a whole episode on that. If you like this episode, please remember to like, star, fave, heart, thumb up, whatever your podcast listening app of choice lets you do. And of course, you can always share this by hitting that share sheet. Send it out to your friends and family. Every time somebody listens to it, even if it's on another platform, we get credit for it, so it looks good for us. And, you know, let them know what you're listening to uh, because, you know, sharing is caring, I guess. And as always, please subscribe. That way you get your episodes downloaded right away to your phone or other podcast listening uh, device. Uh, And that way you're not waiting around or searching for us every time. And as always, let's keep learning.